Good morning, everyone. Uh, we had a great Thanksgiving. Uh, we spent it with my mother-in-law. We don't typically do the uh, traditional dishes. We just had some brisket and mashed potatoes, rice, and beans. And don't forget the tortillas. So it was good. You know, my, my grandmother makes one of the best hot sauces, and it was spicy. So that's what we had for dinner. We had a great time. Um, and, you know, we, we received some bad news. Uh, my, my, my grandma uh, was basically in bad health, and unfortunately she, uh, she died, I believe it was uh, yesterday morning. And so, um, you know, just keep our family in prayers. Uh, last night we got a chance to meet, and uh, my, fa- my family is, uh, is uh, very Catholic, so they were um, praying the rosary last night. And, you know, we were just there in support. So um, Petra Mejia was my grandmother, and she leaves behind, I think, 10 kiddos. Uh, they're all pretty much here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, so um, prayers would be greatly appreciated. So um, to continue on with the series, uh, Randy has been on the, the life of David, a heart like his. And it's been a joy to be able to listen and hear our pastor talk about his life, you know. Uh, I think it was last night, I went online and someone said that Randy preaches on David like no, no other person or no other pastor that he's heard. And I think, uh, I think he's on to something, you know, he's, he's pretty well versed when it comes to the life of David. So today, uh, the message is conquering strongholds. So we're going to be in 2 Samuel uh, chapter 5. So this is where David becomes king over Israel. Verse 1 reads, All the tribes of Israel came to David at Hebron and said, We are your own flesh and blood. In the past, while Saul was king over us, you were the one who led Israel on their military campaigns. And the Lord said to you, You will shepherd my people Israel, and you will become their ruler. When all the elders, the elders of Israel had come to King David at Hebron, the king made a covenant with them at Hebron before the Lord, and they anointed David king over Israel. David was 30 years old when he became king and reigned 40 years. In Hebron, he reigned over Judah seven years and six months, and in Jerusalem, he reigned over all Israel and Judah 33 years. So in verse 1, where it talks about all the tribes, for the first seven and a half years, David reigned over only the citizens of his own tribe, which was Judah. It was not until the deaths of Ishbosheth and Abner that created a crisis of leadership. This is when they realized that David could be a competent leader for them. So after this, um, they wanted him to be the king, so they anointed him. Now, I think about seven and a half years. He's king in Judah, but he's not king over all Israel. Seven and a half years. That's a long time. Would you have expected that when David was king or was anointed king that he would have been the king over all of Israel? I would have. I mean, that's just kind of logical, right? But it wasn't the case. So, but this was, this was the heart of David. He patiently waited for all of Israel to accept him as their king. He did not take any territory that was not willingly surrendered to him. Now, We think about the Lord, and this is the Lord's heart. Just like David, Jesus Christ will not take any territory in your life that is not willingly surrendered to him. And that's awesome. He he waits. Unlike the devil, the enemy of your soul, 
He does not wait for an invitation. He just barges in into our lives. He tempts us and he wrecks havoc if we allow him. He, and then the heart of the Lord is he waits patiently to accept him as Lord over every area of our lives. You know, for him to be Lord, he is in control. But uh, for the most part in many of our lives, we don't realize that God isn't in control of every area. I think one of the areas that we struggle with, especially the guys, is money. You know, we, we want to be in control of that. But the reality is that if he's Lord of our lives, then he's Lord of everything, right? So that includes money. That includes, but you know, I don't know why I, I thought of money, but um, there are other areas that he needs to be Lord of our lives. So uh, he waits patiently for, uh, for us to accept him in every area of our lives. In verse one, toward the end, uh, your own flesh and blood. Representatives from each of the tribes of Israel came to David at Hebron to express their acceptance of him. In their request to have him be their king, they first identified with him, noting that Isra the Israelites and David have a common family heritage, that they were their own flesh and blood. So there's power in identity. In other words, there's power in the identity of who we are in God. So let's look at some. We are his children, brothers and sisters between us as a family. We are his, his body, his temple. We are his bride. He, for us, he is our Lord, our King, our deliverer, our healer. He is a good, good father, and he is our savior. These are important uh, these are important understandings. These are important truths for a new believer to understand. And really, for those that have been in the faith for a long time, those are things for us to remember and for us to have at the forefront in our daily lives. Now, let's look at uh, how David conquers Jerusalem. There's a quote by Ronald Reagan. It's a, it, it reads, a leader once convinced that a particular course of action is the right one must be undaunted when the going gets tough. And life, it gets tough, does it not? So in 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse 6, the king and his men marched to Jerusalem to attack the Jebusites who lived there. The Jebusites said to David, you will not get in here. Even the blind and the lame can ward you off. They thought David cannot get in here. Nevertheless, David captured the fortress of Zion, which is the city of David. On that day, David had said, anyone who conquers the Jebusites will have to use the water shaft to reach those lame and blind who are David's enemies. This is why they say the blind and lame will not enter the palace. David then took up residence in, fortress, in the fortress and called it the city of David. He built up the area around it from the terraces inward, and he became more and more powerful because the Lord God Almighty was with him. So verse 6. The Jebusites who lived there. Jerusalem had been under enemy control for over 400 years. That's a long, long time. In Judges 121, the, the Benjamites, however, did not drive out the Jebusites who were living in Jerusalem. To this day, the Jebusites live there with the, with the Benjamites. All right. Now, let's look at the taunts of the enemy. What do they say? You will not get in here. Even the blind and the lame will ward you off. 
Man, that's kind of that's harsh, right? You know, this could have easily frightened and sent David and the army back to their homes. But they didn't go back. You know, we get taunted by the enemy of our souls on a regular basis. You know, the devil is not, he's relentless when it comes to that. John 10.10 reads, the thief comes only to to steal and kill and destroy. I, Jesus Christ, have come that they may have life and have it to the full. We have something that the thief cannot have. We have sonship, a relationship with the Father, God Almighty. We have that through a relationship with Jesus Christ. But some people try to find life in other things. Those other things could be drugs, alcohol, sexual pleasures. It could be money, career accomplishments, children or grandchildren, a spouse, uh, the pleasures of this world. There is a, a variety of things that people can try to find life in. As a matter of fact, many of us, before we came to Christ, we were living that kind of life because we didn't know any better. And our sinful nature really drives us to that matter. You know, even in Romans, it talks about there is not one single person that seeks after God. Not one. Everyone has ran away. So we, we hear that and we read that and we say, and we, we got to think to ourselves, we got to realize that our hearts have pushed us away. We don't want anything to do with God. It is by the work of Jesus Christ, the work that was done on the cross that brings us through his Holy Spirit to God. So when we come to God, when we come to church, when we come together as a a family, as as the bride of Christ, it's the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Amen? Amen? So here's some gold nuggets. We find fulfillment of life through a relationship with Jesus Christ. You can't get that anywhere else. You cannot find that anywhere else. So if you're searching... If you're here searching, then you must know that you can only find fullness of life in Christ Jesus. And then second, don't be frightened by the taunts of the enemy. God has your back. He never leaves you nor forsakes you is what the Bible tells us. Those are wonderful truths. In verse 8, anyone who conquers the Jebusites will have to use the water shaft or the water tunnel to reach those lame and blind who are David's enemies. To take the city... They had to go through the water tunnels into the city to conquer it from the inside out. So here's the heart of the message. We conquer strongholds from the inside out. This historical account of how David conquered Jerusalem can easily represent the strongholds we experience, we experience in our lives. We conquer them from the inside out. But I, I love verse 10. David became more and more powerful. Because the Lord God Almighty was with him. Guess what? The Lord God Almighty is with us. Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, God Almighty, he is with us. Listen, as Christians, the power is there to conquer any kind of stronghold by the power of the Holy Spirit working in and through us each and every day. We cannot just lay low or just stay in the background and not fight because life is a fight. Life is hard. Or is it easy? (laughs) Maybe it's easy for kids, right? We carry them everywhere. We're there providing food. 
man, our kids, this, is, this doesn't go with the sermon, but it just came to my mind. Our kids, as soon as they wake up, all right, they come to our bed. They wake up anywhere between six and seven. They come to our bed, and the first thing they're saying is cereal, cereal. We want food. We want food. Put food on the table, right? <laughs> I knew I should have kept my best shit. All right, so let's move on. Second Corinthians 10, uh, verse 3. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish, demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. The weapons you use to fight our prayer are the word of God, submission to his will and to his Holy Spirit. It's not on our strength, but it is on the strength of God. That's how we fight with these. Those are our weapons to fight with. Every temptation that arises in your heart and mind, take it captive to make it obedient to Christ. What does that mean? It means that when you are attacked emotionally and spiritually from all angles, you cannot let them defeat you. You ask God to help you conquer those strongholds by inviting him in. That's the key, inviting him in, not doing it on your own, not fighting it on your own. You invite God to come in and to fight them for you. Remember who you are, remember who he is, and remember who you belong to. About five years ago, I was having some uh, very difficult times. It was a stronghold in my life, and it was, it was very difficult. These were inward emotions, feelings that I had. I did not share with people. I did not share with my wife. It was just something that I was going through by myself. Um, and these, these emotions, these, these feelings was that I wanted to give up. I wanted to give up on this Christian faith, on this, on this, I wanted to give up on God because life was tough and the church, not this church, but the church, the other churches, the other churches, it was tough. You know, I don't know if you've experienced this yet, but sometimes, uh, churches can be mean and sometimes Churches will do the wrong thing. No church is perfect. None. And to me, I was taking that so personal. And I, and I think the reason why I was taking it so personal was because I was very selfish. I was very prideful. I didn't realize that at the time I was serving people. And I was trying to please people. And when people let me down, then I got disappointed. And I got, it was heavy on me. It was so heavy on me that I just wanted to quit. It wasn't just the church. It was other things. But the church was a main factor because, you know, I wanted to be a part of the church. I wanted to do things for God, you know. So, but my perspective was wrong. And, you know, I was preaching at a camp in, uh, in Buda, Texas, Camp Barnabas. And when I was having all those, those troubles, though, that, that stronghold in my life, God used this church, he used Randy, he used Camp Barnabas, and he used the director there. Uh, his name is Casey Jones, he lives in San Antonio, he's one of our great friends. And one day, on the fourth year that I was there, I preached there for five years, on the fourth year, um, I shared these inward feelings that I had. I shared it with him, and what he said 
uh, will stay with me for the rest of my life. Basically, what he said was, you know, William, you got to think about this. You have to draw a line in the sand and you have to decide who you will serve. Will you serve God or will you serve people? I didn't understand it completely that what he told me that day. I just listened. Um, you know, the, the light bulb didn't turn on. I didn't, I didn't get it. It was only until a few years later when we lived at San Antonio at the time, we came back to Dallas. And I was thinking about the church. I was thinking about our time in San Antonio. And then these feelings of anger, these feelings of resentment started rising up. And then I started thinking, why do I feel this way? And, and you know, I, it's just, it was a very deep emotion. And God got a hold of me that day. And what he said, it, you know, it wasn't an audible voice, but it, what he said in my spirit was, who are you serving? Are you serving me or are you serving people? Because if you're serving me, then who cares what people say or what people do to you or say about you? That's right. Because if you're serving people, then that's where you're failing. And that's when the light bulb turned on. Turned on. I understood then that that's where all these frustrations, all this anger, all this resentment, that's where all of this stuff came from because my perspective was wrong. I was selfish. I was prideful. I had to repent of that and I had to come to the Lord and say to him, you're right, right? He's always right. Yes. And, and I said, okay, uh, forgive me. Forgive me for, for allowing my pride, for allowing this, this weak heart to, to serve people and not you. And that temptation is still there. You know, we, you know when, when we have strongholds in our lives, the, the past life, the life that you lived before Christ, um, and w- whatever you did, those are potential strongholds. Those, those are potential doors for the enemy to come in to tempt you. Yeah. That's why we try to, to tell your students at a young age, hey, Give your life to the Lord, because if you can give your life to the Lord and not do the things that the world is doing or not do the sinful things that you desire to do in your heart, you're going to avoid a lot of strongholds. You're going to avoid a lot of things that, that could potentially come into your life and push you away from God. Right. So let's wrap up. Uh, we first must become Christ followers. We must become Christians. Second Corinthians chapter five, verses, uh, verse 17. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Amen. Praise God, right? And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us the task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. This is the gospel. And it is a beautiful gospel. There's a verse, I can't remember where exactly it is, but if you think you have ugly feet, then maybe what you should be doing is preaching the gospel because the Bible says you have beautiful feet. (laughs) 
right? So, you know, we, we share the gospel, we are Christians, and we share the gospel, and it is a wonderful thing. Isn't it beautiful that when you share the gospel and someone says, and they understand, they have a revelation, and they believe in it, that they believe in Christ, and the joy that they have in their heart, the joy that, that comes with life in Christ, isn't it wonderful, right? It's great. It, it really is. And the second thing we must do is realize that we are more than conquerors. Romans chapter 8, verse 31, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? He who, who will bring any charge against those who God has chose, chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who, who was raised to life, is, the right, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. That is, in Christ Jesus, our Lord, we are more than conquerors. You are more than conquerors. You have the power to conquer any and all strongholds that rise up in your life. And that is a wonderful truth. We move forward with that. We wake up in the morning and we move forward with the promises of God. Lastly, we must wait on the Lord and not lean on our own understanding because that gets us in trouble when we lean on our own understanding. Proverbs chapter, t, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. That's how we move forward, right? So why don't you stand with me and we'll finish up. I don't know where you are in your life right now. I don't know if you are going through some difficult times, if uh, there are some strongholds in your life. Whatever it, it is, maybe today would be a good day to surrender them. Or better yet, to invite God to come into your life and to help you and to give you the strength to move forward, to find victory in Christ through those strongholds. Amen? Amen. You know, I don't, I don't know the reason why God allows these things, um, but I do know this, is that one of the reasons why he allows them is to refine us. To refine us as people, to refine us as his children. Sometimes we need to be refined. Yes. So could it be that because the reason why he, he is allowing those strongholds in your life is to refine you? And so if that's the case, then what is he trying to refine? These are questions that we can ask ourselves. These are questions that we can ask God. So let's invite him in. Right. Amen. 
Let's invite him into our lives. Let's allow him to give us the strength to conquer those, those strongholds. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your love, your mercy, and for your grace. You're wonderful. You never leave us nor forsake us. You are powerful. And we invite you into our lives. And we pray, Lord, that you would give us the strength and the victory and the reminder that you are always there and you are always willing to march forward with us to have these victories. Lord, you know each and every person that is here this morning and you know what they are going through. We pray, Lord, for strength. We pray for healing. We pray for restoration. And we thank you, Lord, for our salvation. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.